Hi, and welcome to Orpanimi. This is Saratova Best. Here's the question for the day. Today is Yudalit Kislev. We'll talk about it in a moment. But the question that we want to ask is, should women be shining? And should Jewish women be shining? Now, really, in a way, that's kind of a, an uncomfortable question. I don't, think, I don't know if anybody asks that question anymore, should women be shining? Um, because everybody just does. Um, can we say that the men in this generation really love that fact? Uh, maybe no, maybe yes, maybe who knows. But the question is, it's not, it's not a question of political or social or financial trends and what's more convenient. It's a question of what should be happening today. What does Torah say? There's only one place to find out what the truth is. What does the Torah say? And why are we asking this question today? Because today is Yudalit Kislev. It's the wedding anniversary date of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and Rebbetzin. And we know it's a pivotal date. <clears throat> and it's a date that really denotes the, the it's, it's a marriage day. And it's a, 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 a day that denotes the, mar- the marriage of Hashem and the Jewish people, of all things higher and lower, but more specifically Hashem and the Jewish people. And we're in a month of marriage. Mar- the marriage month, there are two. Marriage month is the month of Matan Torah. Matan Torah was a marriage between us and Hashem. And yet there are two parts of it. There's the reveal, there's the external marriage, and then there's the internal marriage. There's, you go to the chup and you get married and you do all the things and you go through all the steps and you, you sign, you, you, have the, you, you have all the documents and everything's in order. That's the external one. And then there's the deeper, the relationship, the connection, the internal marriage. The month of Sivan, when the Torah was given, that's the external marriage. When Hashem gave us, we have Matan Torah. The month of, it's the third month from the beginning of the year. The month of Kislev is the month of where the main Yantif, instead of Shavuot, is Yotes Kislev, Rosh Hashanah L'Chassidus, and Chag Chagim, the day that began the revelation officially of the deepest levels of Tyra in a way that they become available to every Jew and every person on the planet. So it's Matan Tyra of Tyra Sechassidus, of the deeper, the deeper, more internal essence part of, of, of Tyra. So we're in a month of marriage. Now, let's get back to the topic of should women shine? So in order to really answer that question, don't get scared. I bet people are, you know, you can take guesses now. Some people will say, I bet she's going to say no. That's so classically Jewish. And other people will say, no, she's not going to do this call and say, no, women shouldn't shine. Who wants to listen to such a call? You know, I'll hang up right now. Who wants it? So what's she really going to say? What am I going to say? What is Tyra going to say? Hang on and you'll see. It'll only take five minutes. In order to know the answer to that question, though, we're looking at, we're in Parshas Vayishlach, and we're looking up at the Sicha of the week that has to do with Yodalit Kislev. And we look at the relationship between the sun and the moon. 
we know one thing, that most holidays, the sun and the moon, sorry, the sun and the moon denote the Jewish people and Hashem, the giver and the taker, the mashpia and the makabal, the teacher, the student. The sun is the giver. The moon is the receiver. It gives light and the moon reflects the light. The sun is the male energy. The moon is the female energy. We, the Jewish people, are, are connected to the moon, especially we women are connected to the moon. We'll be renewed like the moon, counted like the moon, compared to the moon. So we as Hashem's bride, his wife, his bride, were compared to the moon. In this relationship between the sun and the moon, when are they closest? If you look at it astronomically, or you just look at a third grade science book, which is a lot easier, they're more fun, you see that they do those experiments to show you how it works between the sun and the moon. I I really have one of those in my house. You know, you're supposed to sit in a chair and you're supposed to have a light bulb and a ball and you take the light bulb and you move it around the ball and it simulates what it looks like when the moon moves around the sun and you sit in between them. Those kind of things, the earth, the sun, the moon. And you see when, when it's dark in the sky and when it's light in the sky. You get to see all of that if you do that with a light bulb. What do you find out? You find out that when it's dark at night, it's called Erev Rosh Chodesh, when you don't see a moon, that is when the moon and the sun are in a perfect, perfect union. That's when they're totally together. And that's why you don't see the moon, because they're totally together. They're one piece. As the moon starts to move away from the sun, it begins to shine. So you have the first of the month and the second and the third and the fourth, all the way up to the moon gets bigger every night, right? Look up at the sky. The moon gets bigger every night. Every night until you get to the 15th of the month when you have the full moon. Now the moon is shining fullest. The good news is the moon is shining fully. The bad news is they're very far away from each other. They're as distant from each other as they can be. Because the moon, the recipient, in order for it to shine, it needs to move away from its... The makabo needs to move away from the mashpia. In order... Well, let's say it in simple terms. Really, I always say this. If you go to a Shabbos table... And the person running the table at the head of the table says, why didn't everybody go around the table and everybody just say a little something that, that happened to them this week or a little Dvartaira that they heard, and everyone will say something. And he really means it sincerely. I have studied this for years. As soon as it comes to any of the women who start to speak, the men all fall asleep. The men all fall asleep. I was actually once in a place where the rabbi asked everyone to go around, and I said, and he came to me, and I said, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's okay. And and he said, no, no, say something, say something. And finally I said, you know, I've experienced that when women are at a Shabbos table and they speak, the men all fall asleep. He said, no, 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 that's ridiculous. Please say something. So I started to speak, and he fell asleep right in front of me. So 
women need to move away from men. The female, the feminine needs to move away from the masculine in order to shine. That's the way it goes, right? Try the experiment yourself. That's the way it goes. I'm sure the same thing is in corporate America. I'm sure the men are a little mm, not in their best mood when the women are standing in front and shining. That's the way it is. Mashpia Makabal. So again, back to the idea, should women shine in the sun and the moon and weddings? So here we have this, this idea. For instance, if you are a student to your master, your teacher, we're not talking about women and men. You are a student to your teacher. In order really for you to shine, you really need to move away from your teacher. As long as you're in your teacher's presence, you're going to be overshadowed by your teacher's greatness, your teacher's brilliance. And you really need to move away. And the more you move away, then you can start to shine. That's what the moon does. It has to move away from its union with the sun to be, begin to shine. And then when it's shining fully on the full moon, the 15th of the month, they are very distant from each other. They're at opposite ends. And then, of course, there's a cycle where it starts to move back closer to its mashpia, its teacher, and it starts to diminish. That's a whole other topic for another time. You can find it in uh, part one and part two of the Sicha of Yishlach that we posted here on Jewish Podcast. But here's the question. So what's better? When you're thinking of, let's say, a marriage, what's better? If the woman is going to shine, she's going to have to move away from the man. And she needs, in this generation, we do need to shine. We're, we're, no longer, we're no longer satisfied with, you know, the power behind the throne. Remember those days? Remember the, the, the real old days when the men were shining and the women were in the kitchen? That one's, that one's over. No one, no, one seems to, no one seems to find that very attractive anymore. Then there was the next reality where they talked about women as being the power behind the throne. This man, behind every great man is a great woman who's quietly behind him. You know, like Rosh Chaydish, like Rosh Chaydish. You see the sun, but behind the sun is this powerful moon that's not visible, but doing, is doing its work. And that became the, the Jewish model. The greatness of the woman who's behind the man, he's on the outside, he's shining, and she's behind him, nobody really sees her. But she's, she's the real thing. Good. That was, what, that was what we brought out to the world. We said, women, you're not insignificant. You've never been second class. Where did you get this nonsense about second class? You've never been second class. And certainly, from a Jewish perspective, there's no such thing as a woman being a second class citizen. She's really a first, the first class citizen. And she's really the activator and the empower. Perfect. It took us a whole long time to teach the world that's what Tyra tells us. But is there something that even goes beyond that? And I'm going to say that Tyra is saying yes. What goes beyond that is a new, what I see in Chassidus, a new uh, paradigm that Tyra is sending into the world. And its visibility 
it's purely Tyra. It's Geula. It's Geuladik. And yet its visibility comes to us through the day of Yud Dalid and Tesvav Kislev. Yud Dalid and Tesvav Kislev. Yud Dalid being the wedding anniversary, we said, of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and Rebetzin. And what is that? So first, here's the question. Here, true or false, we're really speaking about a marriage par excellence. The, 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 the uh, paradigm for what a Jewish marriage should look like. And so, if that's the case, we understand Go back 100 years ago. You ask yourself, when will this marriage take place? There's much, much, dis- much written about that amazing wedding that took p- place in Warsaw. The parents, the, the, the Rebbe's parents could not attend because they were in Russia and couldn't, were not allowed out, and they made their own wedding celebration, even though the chassan wasn't there. Much, much spoken about it. But in terms of the timing, if we go back to before that wedding would happen, before that happened, what would we guess would be the time, the month and the date of the wedding? If it's going to sync up with Tyra, we would guess, well, I guess it'll be in the month of weddings, of, of, of marriage, which is either Sivan, time of Mat and Tyra, or Kislev, also the time of Mat and Tyra, Tyrus Okay. Then which of the two? Will it be in Sivan or will it be in Kislev? Well, we would say, I guess it would be in Kislev because the whole revolution of the Rebbe is bringing the learning of Hasidus, of the deepest part of Tyra, out to the entire world. So it's going to. So we can guess. Probably the wedding will be. Wedding date hasn't been announced yet. It'll probably be in the month of Kislev. That's the month of wedding of the deeper part of Tyra. Good, great, got it. Now then, let's figure out a date. Well, we would say, if the moment of the perfect union between the sun and the moon, the Mashpiyim and the and the Makabel, the masculine and the feminine, is on Rosh Chodesh. That's when they're the closest to each other. Then clearly, this marriage will take place on Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Great, we got it. And it didn't. It did not. Although, if you think about the energy of Rosh Chodesh Kislev, doesn't it seem like that denotes that second level of marriage that we just spoke about. The woman is the unbelievably strong power behind the throne. Behind every great man is a great woman. That kind of energy. The sun is visible, the moon is not visible, but they're in a perfect union, and she's really running the show. That's the way we've explained it. That's what Tyra says. And yet the wedding didn't come out on Rosh Chodesh Kislev. It came out on Yudalit and Tesvav, the 15th of the month. Started at 5 o'clock on Yudalit and then went into Tesvav. It came out on the full moon, the day of the full moon, 
when the feminine energy is shining the most strongly. But that's the good side. The wedding date that was picked, and we we always wish a a couple, the wedding should be in an auspicious hour. That means the hour that a wedding happens is heavenly decreed. Absolutely heavenly decreed. It doesn't go by when the hall is available. It really is heavenly decreed when this union should happen. How much more so in this case? So it was heavenly decreed that this couple, the Lubavitcher Rebbe and the Rebbe should be married on the day that denotes that the feminine energy is shining very strongly as much as the masculine energy. And yet, isn't that when the sun and the moon are the most distant? So what's that all about? That's the paradigm for marriage that was introduced in that with that, with that marriage for, to all of us of this generation, something doesn't sync up. We understand, okay, the new, new paradigm, women are supposed to shine. Because we know there's a moment on the night of the full moon when you can't tell if it's the moon or the sun. It's just getting dark and... And you, you can't really tell if it's the moon or the sun. Is that the sun going down or the moon going up? She is shining, so, so she is shining equally with him. Like the reality that will be in Yemaisa Mashiach when the moon will go back to its original size and will be one with the sun and equal with the sun. Well, now we're really confused. <clears throat> what is this, a feminist movement? Now we're really confused because we said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't we just say that when the moon is shining the fullest, that's when it's as far away from the sun as it can get? And in order to go back to a union with the sun, it has to let go of all of its light? So now we're completely confused. And this is our paradigm for this generation of the ultimate way that marriage should go. So what's the answer? For the answer, you need to a drop, fasten your seatbelt. It's a little bit Kabbalistic, but it's delicious and revolutionary. It's like brain candy. And the answer is the following. As long as we are two separate entities, then let's just say this. There's something called revelation in essence, meaning I can see how you look. I see your revelation. I don't see your essence. You actually don't see how you yourself look, but you do have your essence. So when we are two separate entities, we'll say it this way. Either I shine or you shine. Who's going to talk? You or me. We can't both talk at the same time. It's either I shine or you shine. Oh, we both want to shine? Let's go our separate ways. That's what the moon and sun are saying. When we're in a union, you see the sun. You don't see the moon. The moon is really, what? the moon is really, you know, the big cheese. What's doing all the work? 
but you see the sun, but they're in a perfect union. If they both want to shine, they have to separate. She has to go out there. Now it's the full moon. She's shining, the moon. He's shining, the sun. Good, but they're distant. Says Chassidus, all of that is true if you are two separate entities. Again, all of that is true if you are two separate entities. Here's the clincher. If you unify into one unit and there's no distinction between me and you, we become one piece, then we can be doing both at the same time. We have the advantage of that union. We are Rosh Chaydesh and the 15th of the month all at the same time because we become one union, one unit. There's no longer you and me. So either you shine or I shine. We both shine and we both are in a total union to each other and we both are in a bittle to each other, all happening simultaneously. Again, we're in a perfect union. We're, we're in the Rosh Chaydesh energy. And yet we're in the, 50, the full moon energy where we're both shining. And the full moon energy becomes incorporated into the Rosh Chaydesh energy, meaning in, in everyday life, we're both shining and yet we're in a perfect union at the same time. And it doesn't, and nobody shuts down. We don't shut each other down. We enhance each other because we are one piece. How do we become one piece? Keser achad l'kulam. There's a crown. We reach the essence of our relationship. What is the basis of our relationship? What is the basis of my talent? What is the basis of my light? What is the basis of what I can create in the world? Partly when I recognize it's not my talent. It's not my light. It's not even my relationship. This is God's talent-like relationship being funneled down through me. And myself and my partner, when we both recognize that, this is not I. There is no I. We. We are a living, breathing unit in a marriage, in a perfect union with each other and with our third partner, Hashem, God. So it's a three-way union. And we're both funneling through our unity, expressing even more fully the fact that I am one with God, you are one with God, and then we are one with God. God is funneling through me, my talents. God is funneling through you, your talents. And he's funneling through us as a unit even more powerfully. There's no I. The only I is Hashem. And we live as a unit with that third partner expressing and expressing his light to the fullest. 
This is the Geula paradigm for marriage. And this maybe explains why the wedding date for the Rebbe and the Rebbeson is on the full moon. And, it, and, and what has been ushered in through that is a generation in which women are encouraged to shine, but not as an I, as a we. We, one with Hashem. We, one with each other. Once I go into I, I am shining separately from you, then, then we become distant. When I can pull myself into the we, the three-way partnership, Ish, Isha, Hashem, man, woman, God, in a three-way partnership in which it's an indivisible piece, then the paradigm of the woman shining becomes automatically, completely what Tyra is telling us to do. This is the new paradigm. It's not a simple way to live. It takes work to move into that space and there are a lot of bumps and ups and downs but this is the paradigm and this is the revolution that's being ushered in to the world through Yodala Kislev and it's the gift it's the wedding gift not that we gave to the Chassan and Kala that the Chassan and Kala gave to the world and give to the world through this date this wedding gift And sometimes we might think, well, a gift is something, you know, it's nice. If you don't, if you use it, you use it. If you don't, you don't. This is a gift that um, needs to be used. Because God has other reasons why he wants these kinds of unions to exist. This is not so everybody will have, you know, nicer relationships and women will be able to go out and work. This is way beyond that. This is about a mission of Geula, of transforming the world from Gullus to Geula through the feminine energy as it unifies with the masculine energy. Each of them in their own unique way, unifying together to create something that enables us to become so powerful that we explode the world with the light of Geula. And that's what we're here to do. And might we add ASAP. So let's wish each other good yantif, good yantif. It's our yantif. As the Rebbe said, this is the day that connects me to you. It's our yantif. And in fact, there is a story. We'll end off with this story. I just heard it that... um, Somebody, very kind of simple person, early, early days of when, when the Rebbe and the Rebbeton were fairly newly married, an individual came to speak to the Rebbe, did not know who he was, and said, did not know, know anything about the name Schneerson. And the person said, oh, are you perhaps related to, you know, Rebbe Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson? And he was the son-in-law. And the Rebbe said, yes, Musya is Irtachter. Musya is the Lubavitcher Rebbe's daughter. The wife, my wife, the wife, is the Lubavitcher Rebbe's daughter. 
Meaning that is his connection, not I am, son-in-law. Through her, she is. Through her, the connection to Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, is established. And then through that connection, the connection to us. So today we are being empowered to become the powerhouses in the holiest way that Hashem wants us to become so we can fill the world with the light of Mashiach. May we bench each other that whoever is not in a perfect union should find one now and create it. And whoever is in a union, is in a marriage, should have a beautiful marriage that's the most powerful, holy and powerful. And the whole world should be synced up with the ultimate chasen, we as the Kali, the ultimate chasen, God himself, Melach Malchei Amlachim HaKadosh Baruch And may we dance at this wedding, on this day, this Yantif day, in the base of Migdash Shlishi, in the Gula Mitzvah Shlema. Now, thanks so much.